0: You are listening to Riddle Eve, Season 1, Book 1. This episode was written by Craig Vilbig and produced by Twin Swords Productions and Cruise Control Productions. The narrator for this episode is Lewis Cruz.
1: Chapter 3. Ripples. A cold dissonance emanated from the concrete walls. After all that had happened, to find himself here, in this situation, felt like just a little too much to ask. Shaking his head clear, Turner watched his father turn a corner into the prison's kitchen. His father knew how to play his emotions like a fiddle, and at this point, Turner wouldn't have been surprised to learn that it had been all to torture him. It was only by the small amount of common human respect that he had kept himself from punching the other man. But Chris didn't deserve such respect. Turner took a short breath before following the man around the corner. A wicked grin suddenly splayed itself across Turner's face. He would take a great pleasure in revealing the fate of the world. There is no outside world anymore. Only ruins and broken memories, Chris. He whispered it, aiming to create an atmosphere that drew his father in. He had thought about calling him Father out loud, but the man didn't deserve to be called a father. Turner was perfectly fine with casual denial of their relationship thus far. Chris suddenly stopped in his tracks. Turner also halted, his eyes burning a hole in the back of his father's head. Slowly and methodically, his father turned around, speaking softly. He laced his voice with plain caution, and perhaps even a hint of confusion. (laughs) What exactly do you mean, ruins? Mm -hmm. Then he was all business again. He turned and opened the door to the kitchen. We'll get water and such. Then you'll take me outside. Show me what you're talking about. Agreed. Turner sighed. At least he'd gotten some reaction from the man. Inside the prison's kitchen, a few odd water bottles sat near two full cases of water on a steel counter. The kitchen was everything that could be expected. Steel shelves lined the galley, their contents mostly disheveled. The knife block, lacked half its contents. Turner let the door swing shut behind him. He watched his father take a bottle from the dwindling stockpile. He took a long drink from it, and then he looked at it with a small amount of concern. Then, as if shrugging off whatever he may be thinking, he tossed a second water bottle to Turner. Turner took a moment before opening it. Concern painted Chris's voice. How much we taken, Turner. He imagined it was sincere. However, that didn't mean that he wanted to bring this man to safety. Of course, he would show him the outside, and hopefully Chris would pass out from shock so that Turner could leave him there. Wishful thinking, perhaps, but a boy can dream. The sooner Chris could be back out of Turner's life, the better. Turner took a short swig of water before answering. Just take what won't slow you down, and we can come back for the rest later. There's still a lot of this island to search, but it's getting late, and we should head back to the mainland. The other man spread his hands the water bottle held awkwardly and what exactly awaits us on the mainland kid he brought his arms back together and began searching for any containers in the kitchen placing all of the food on the center cart he grabbed a couple of large garbage bags from under the sink the other man paused briefly before continuing to pack a case of the water into his bag as much as turner wanted to shun his father he knew that the man should be brought to the underground and if they were to live closely, it would be likely more than a hassle than it was worth skirting around each other. Maybe an adult discussion would help them to put the past to rest. While Turner felt surprisingly willing, he was unsure if he could separate from his seething hatred for his father. He doubted, too, that Chris would be willing to have such a conversation. Maybe in time they could come to accept each other's presence. Neither of them seemed very interested in the other. Turner spoke in an even and monotone voice as he could muster, trying not to reveal the emotional electrical storm raging inside him. What can I help you with, Father? He picked up the second trash bag and looked to his senior. Ignoring the man's quiet snickering, the man was incorrigible sludge. The ooze of a man had the nerve to turn around with a nonchalant look on his face. He must love making his son's skin crawl. The look was of a complete active indifference. His father's voice was almost a mocking tone. What an endearing term. Chris, really? You still think of me as your father? His mouth curled into a smirk, and he shook his head slightly. That was what made Turner realize what he felt so untrustworthy about of the father. Every action the man took felt premeditated and rehearsed. That was also when Turner wanted to hit his father the most. Even after being completely abandoned by him, he realized that he did think of this man as his father. Turner hated being called by his real name. Part of him wanted to ignore anything directed towards him with any name other than Turner. But that felt childish. But Chris was a name that he couldn't bring himself to respect. After pushing through the sludge of the question, he turned back and kept looking for useful objects, silently slipping a slicing knife into the pocket of his orange jumpsuit. Was that premeditated? Or had Turner not been supposed to notice it? Chris probably still thought of Turner as a less-than-observant child. Perhaps Turner could use that to his own favor, and no, he refused to use people. That was something that his father did, and he needed to strive to do the opposite. People weren't tools or toys. See what you can find to fill in this bag. Try not to get what's spoiled. The first sentence jolted Turner back to reality. It was said with an apathy akin to the comment about thinking of the man as a father. The second was somehow even more grating, spoken in a sigh of a tone that implied that Turner was expected to make a mistake. He was being mocked, and he knew it. What was even more frustrating was that he couldn't think of anything to say that would prevent this man from enjoying Turner's discomfort, despite his effort to hide behind this mask of indifference. No effort was owed to the father, and yet he knew the confrontation ahead was necessary. He took a step towards the cabinets and began to stuff any canned, pickled, or preserved food into a bag hastily and with a little too much force. Then, hesitantly, he began the real conversation— the real test of wits and tolerance, the conversation that would determine where each man stood in relation to each other. Inhaling deeply to attempt to muffle his rage, Turner chose to adopt a softer, more motionless tone. He needed to be in control here. He had no doubt Chris would try to bait him constantly in an attempt to anger him for his own humor or vile motivations. He had spent the past seven years thinking about the things he might say to his father, but none of them seemed to be the right thing to say. This was not one of them, but it had to be said, to be the baseline of his emotions toward the man. You will always be my father. Despite how much I loathe and despise you, nothing can change that. Turner continued to bag any food he could find. The two might be stuck together for quite some time, and if he could bring back some food, Adam might be less mad about his midnight tryst with the ocean. And while hatred was difficult to dispel, it had truthfully been incredibly lucky to reconnect with his estranged father. Turner knew it wouldn't come easy. Unfortunately, nothing had ever been easy when it came to his dad. Out of the corner of his eye, Turner saw Chris shrug slightly and briefly stop packing. Another deep breath, and he faced his father, for the first time really locking eyes with him. For a moment, there was an honest warmth in his eyes. Then it burned itself down to a cold, barren, empathetic ember. Chris tutted and shook his head. Uh, That hurts, Chris. Here. That hurts. The man mockingly took his hand and held it against the left breast. Though the older man wasn't smiling or laughing, Turner could tell this man was elated by his own sarcasm. Barely removing his hand from his chest, Chris lifted his filled bag over his shoulder and shook his head once again, leaning against the counter. Turner, having had a late start in packing, continued thoroughly searching the kitchen. Although he didn't grab any of the utensils, he made a show of opening each drawer and idly sifting through the kitchen tools. He refrained from slamming the cabinets shut in frustration and from punching his father's smug face. If it came to a physical altercation, Turner doubted he'd be able to take the old man out. Maybe he'd get lucky and a shadow wolf would do it for him. No, he didn't exactly want his father to die and would likely act to prevent it. But at the same time, he'd be hard-pressed to mourn. After letting the comment hang in the air for a decent while, he responded to it in a quiet tone that made an attempt to mock Chris. Oh, please, don't pretend you have enough of a heart to fake caring about what I say. Come on, kid, we have nothing but time now, but this is really a ridiculous waste of it. Now come on, let's move. Turner looked up to see his father exiting the room. His father had some amount of dirt in his history. He had been in this prison for a reason. Perhaps he really had been a spy. Turner considered asking about that, but decided to avoid the question for the moment. He very much doubted that he was ready for that truth, just yet. But should he ever ask? It wouldn't violate Adam's clean slate policy, since the man was family. But did he want to know the truth? He knew that that last jab at his dad would never hit home. Chris just didn't care. Turner hoisted his partially-filled bag onto his shoulders and followed the sound of footsteps as they echoed through the cement halls. The path they walked wasn't exactly winding, but it did take several turns along the way. Turner had a difficult time keeping up with the old man, so he arrived several minutes after. His father had led the way to the release room. Hardly anyone had ever been released from this prison, considering how new of an establishment it had been, and its housing of overflow felony inmates. The locks appeared to have been broken recently, but it wasn't the thing that shocked Turner. He was able to play it off as leaning against the wall, but the sight of his father and his typical casual suit and tie made him stumble backwards a little. It was like being struck with a boulder with what? how little had changed. He looked every inch of the same man that had abandoned his family seven years ago. He was casually dusting off the suit's shoulders and pushing out the wrinkles. He barely noticed Turner enter the room. A gold chain hung on his neck, tucked under his dress shirt. The heavy bag dropped to the ground so that a free hand used to place a fist against his mouth, trying in vain to hide his laughter. His other hand, pushed against the wall, his sad and soft laugh betrayed the cruel irony of his father's appearance. Leaning against the wall for support, Turner closed his eyes and spoke. Now that looks ridiculous, old man. Thanks for the laugh. The sound of Chris cracking his neck made Turner open his eyes again. The older man, straightened his collar, then before he noticed that his son had opened his eyes again, traced the chain of his neck with his left hand for a moment, a muffled look of longing plain in his eyes. This was the first emotion Chris had shown other than arrogance. After almost too long, Chris reacted to the laughter. He sniffled a little and picked up his bag. Turner remained pressed against the wall by the humor. This suit is anything but ridiculous, you brat. Chris closed his eyes and took a breath. He smiled insincerely with a single nod of his head. Perhaps the chain around his neck was of no importance, but it had seemed to cause a strange emotion in the man. Turner wondered as to what it was, but he wasn't about to push this relationship too far yet. Confidences were not easily given, even and maybe especially between kin. It was obviously of great importance to him, and that just made Turner wonder at its mystery even more. Turner vowed to get a good look at it at some point, but asking the degenerate would likely bring no answer beyond humorous look and sarcastic comments. Finally, pushing himself off the wall, Turner mimicked his father and picked up his own bag. He walked past his father towards the door and forced it open. The breeze held a biting chill, and the sun was peeking over the gentle ripples in the calm ocean. Adam would soon discover Turner's absence, if he hadn't yet already. He surveyed the dimly lit island to make sure there was no one watching. Even though the landscape was still empty, he stepped back and gestured to his father. By all means, after you. Some sunlight will do you some good. He hadn't meant to be quite so condescending, but it fit. Stepping towards the door, Chris chided with his son, a glare, but no response. He sighed heavily and walked past Turner. He paused at the doorway, feeling the ground with his feet. Hopefully it wasn't a mistake to let the prisoner out of captivity and into his life. There was no recourse. Chris turned back with new determination. Once again, he clapped his hands together. Right then, if they haven't been destroyed and whatever happened, there should be a couple ferries to and from this place, he announced. Of course, there's always the method by which you got here. It was in that moment that Turner realized that he'd lost, but that wasn't what stung the most. His ploy at tricking his father had not only failed, but it had failed in such a spectacular manner. At this point, Turner held on to far too much hatred to overwin. He vowed to learn how to mask his emotions behind his father. He stepped out, following his father's lead. He didn't try to mask his emotions at this moment, instead letting his father know that he was resigned. You're right, of course. The ferry's likely sunk. I borrowed a dinghy from the City Harbour. So we ought to return to that. You can probably fit us both, or you can swim, if you prefer. He vaguely wanted to see his father try to swim to shore in his tacky suit, but he very much doubted that Chris would amuse him, so, setting out towards where he had moored, he motioned for his father to follow. Chris spoke with a smile. Perfect. You better be quick about it, though. The water's never been my friend. Turner raised an eyebrow, but did not question the crypticity. It was an intriguing statement, laced with a bitter edge. The difference gave him an odd sense of comfort. He had spent the past hour relearning exactly how many similarities he had to the man he disdained, and this was a relaxing change. As they reached the shore, he gazed out over the water. His blue eyes became lost in the dark, swirling ocean water. Turner had always loved the water. He loved to be near it, to smell it, to watch the waves crash on the shore, the comfort of the gentle drift of small watercraft. Removed from time and worry, it had been a draw for him ever since his father had left, but the comfort existed only in solitude. Being so close to his father as they rode back to the mainland was bound to prevent any calming effect that he might otherwise be able to find. He would love to swim in it, of course, but not at this moment. With all the cruel changes to the world, Turner could almost no longer trust the ocean. Shadow wolves were bad enough, but who knew what lurked beneath the brine? waiting. The boat was barely large enough for the two men. Chris climbed in, warily eyeing the water. Turner climbed into the back. Of course, his father was going to make him row back to the city. After all, the world served his father. Still, he climbed in and took hold of the oars. As they cast off, Turner allowed himself one last look towards the island. He would come back to explore the rest anon. It was time to get back to the underground. After all of the effort Adam had gone towards organizing them, he really didn't deserve the stress of waking up to a missing member. Silently, he ran the oars through the water, gently breaking the dark, serene surface. Ripples, cast out as the boat began to move away from the island. Ripples. So many things depended on the other ground now, so much depended on trust. The time was nearing for humanity to take its defining stand against extinction, and who knew what that might cause? There were so many unpredictable ripples.
0: Thank you so much for listening to this episode of RiddleDev. Are you interested in becoming a sponsor? Email lewis at riddledeve.com to sponsor an episode you want to help us keep making this podcast check out our patreon at patreon.com slash riddledeve did you like what you heard today? that's awesome share us with your friends and also follow us on social media we are at riddledeve on facebook instagram and twitter you can also subscribe to our newsletter at riddledeve.com This podcast is protected under Creative Commons 2019 with a CC BY NC SA license. For more information and to connect with us, please visit our website at riddledeve.com. I'm Craig Vilbig, one of the producers of RiddleDeve. Thanks so much for listening.